Welcome to another episode of Muggle with a Mic podcast. Today we'll be discussing Ryan Johnson's Knives Out, which will cover topics such as murder mysteries, pointy objects, and medication use. So please, listener discretion is advised. I would like everyone to get their elfin bread ready because Philbo Baggins has returned to the Shire. <laughs> and it is nice to be back. <laughs> I've missed you, Phil. I have. Uh, I've missed you too. Life happens. You know, I've had a lot going on and uh, I know you've had some special guests and you've had some special episodes, so that's great. Uh, but I'm back. So yay. Yeah. Now we're doing the movie Knives Out. Which... Yes, yes, we are. Yeah, but we'll start off with some movie news. We were just talking about it a little bit, but there's a lot to go over with this movie, don't you think? Oh, yes. There, there is a lot, and we've talked about doing it for some time, and you know, we've kind of done a few other things, and then I was gone, and we finally got around to, to watching it, and it'll be a good discussion, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. But let's start off with some movie news. A lot of stuff has happened. On the last episode, I kind of let Sarah down by not not having any movie news, so she helped me get some some news. But this week, I have a lot. First off, the Wonder Woman 1984 trailer came out. Did you see that? Yeah, I certainly did. Um, it looks it looks really good. Actually, there's probably been about two trailers uh, that have come out uh, for that particular movie since I talked to you last. Yeah. And it's expected to come out October 2nd of this year. This is the ninth DC film in the DC universe. My main thing I took out of it is I think Kristen Wiig is playing Cheetah. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Which I'm not, I'm holding a reserving judgment. I'm not that big of a Kristen Wiig fan. And mm-hmm. I, I can kind of think of a few other people that that might be better, but... Like I said, I'm holding out, you know, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to definitely watch it. I, I really liked the first Wonder Woman movie. Um, the only thing that was wrong, I think with the first one was they needed to spend a little bit more time with the CGI because mm. the last, uh, when she, you know, fought the big villain at the end, it almost looked like a, you know, boss battle off of PS2 game. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was really, I mean, when you look at like the effort Marvel puts into it with Thanos, I mean, that's almost photorealistic. And then you go and you watch Wonder Woman and even Justice League, if you watch that, I, I really hope that they, like I said, build on this one and they do, they put a little bit more effort into the CGI because I, I, I really liked Wonder Woman movie. I just thought it, that was the only part it was really lacking in was, was the CGI. And there's no excuse for that nowadays because we have, like I said, technology's there. It's just a matter if they want to kind of put the time, effort, and money into it. I The main thing I took away from the trailer was it was very good. But back to the cheetah part, all I can think is, is it Lisa Frank? <laughs> That's the 1980s like theme with the tiger print and everything. Is, is it what now? Is Lisa Frank. Do you remember Lisa Frank? Mm. Where... She had like, let me look it up to make sure I'm right. But 
she had Lisa Frank was like a design of like notebooks and trapper keepers back in oh, the 80s. It could have been. So all I can think of when I see Kristen Wiig as the cheetah is Lisa Frank notebooks. That's funny. I, I do remember those notebooks back in the 80s, but I don't re- recall, uh, you know, the name of them or, or the designer. But Pedro Pascal's going to be on it, too. Yes. Uh, and, you know, the, the first this is funny. The first couple times I watched the trailer, I thought that was like I just caught a glimpse and I thought that was Nathan Fillion. If you, if you look at it like his character, I, when you just get a glance, it, it he looks, you know, without like the mustache and everything. He kind of looks like Nathan, Nathan Fillion. Wait, help help me out, Nathan. Who's Nathan Fillion? Oh, uh, he is like just he's a, I know, yeah. I know him. I'm just blanking. oh, he's a, he's in everything. I mean, did you see Firefly? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, he's also I mean, he's in Percy Jackson, and he was on uh, what was that TV show where Castle? He, there you go. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They, I guess yes. He did kind of look like him from a distance and with a mustache on. Yes. Yeah, looking through one eye, you know, with the, some uh, dirt on the lens and. <laughs> anyone can look like anyone that way (laughs) oh but anyways it's it's sound it looks like it's good and also hans zimmer is going to be he composed the score so that should be good the other one is the batman trailer did you see that yes what did you think um i thought i mean i liked it there's it's not super long and i mean i know they even even they filmed maybe like half of the movie because mm-hmm. the production's on hold but i mean i liked what i saw and um did you see who's playing alfred did you have feel to like see? i did i feel like i did who uh, andy circus which oh. you know he played Gollum and Gollum, I mean, he's been yeah. in, and everything else and he was in he was in black, black panther. panther which yeah Rest in peace. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. Uh, that Chadwick. was bad. Ch- Chadwick mm-hmm. Boseman. Um, I really, you know, enjoyed that movie, and I thought he was a like a great actor and a great human being too. Oh yeah, yeah. So I'm sad to see him pass away. I mean, he was just uh, yeah. it's phenomenal. I guess you know he was filming a lot of those movies while he was battling colon cancer, and he didn't, yeah. I mean, he just went to chemo and and like had surgery and stuff like in the midst of that and never like really let anyone know well Um, and he purposely asked his publicist not to tell anyone and not let it get out in the news because he did not want it to take away from the movies that he was working on the other night i picked up the phone and it's like wow it's kind of blowing up that he passed away oh yeah no i i i physically like i gasped when i saw it on, on my phone um it was just just so sad but yes rest in peace chadwick yeah i guess like he was like visiting like some children's cancer wards while that was going on i mean and Mm -hmm. he was you know going and for like you know charity and stuff and visiting cancer wards but yeah he he was a good good actor I, i like 21 bridges did you ever see that no what's that one about it's where he's a cop and he kind of gets framed for like a crime they're like hunting him down across the city. And I loved him in 42. And I think anyone who hasn't seen 42 needs to just watch it, especially now. But I don't think I've seen that one. Oh, it's, it's so good. Harrison Ford plays Branch Rickey. He's the one who helped get 
Jackie Robinson, you know, continue his baseball career. And then Chadwick plays Jackie. Okay. I've seen some stills from that, but I've never seen the movies. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, back to the Batman trailer. (laughs) Yeah, we did did Um, (laughs) kind of make a big uh, diversion there. I'm sorry. No, no, Chadwick deserves a a big, you know... Uh, reroute of our conversation and then we can come back but yeah no that's fine but as for the trailer for the Batman I thought it was okay I didn't feel like I got a lot out of it and again that's because they haven't filmed it all but um, it does appear a lot darker than other Batman movies um, which all Batman movies that that was the one scene everybody was focusing on that sold everybody it's like okay I'm you know when he was facing off against that gang and they were like, who are you? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just wails the crap out of that dude. Boom, 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 boom. And it gives him a couple oh, yeah. more. Boom, boom. And it's like, I'm vengeance. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that part was pretty cool. Well, no, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Okay. I grew up as Twilight, big Twilight fan. I yeah. was team Edward the whole way. I loved Robert Pattinson. I had an abnormal obsession with him. I've grown out of that since. But I'm still I'm still interested to see him grow as an actor. And I was thinking, he's going to play the Batman? I, I, I don't know how I feel about this. How well is he going to do with the action scenes and the fighting scenes? And that clip there alone was like, okay, he can do this. I was willing to, you know, when I heard that he was going to play Batman, I, I always try to hold off my opinions until I actually see it because our forming opinion, because I know a lot of people were just like so hung up when Heath Ledger played the Joker. Mm-hmm. And then that was the best one. I mean, I never had a problem with it, but I know so many people were just like, you will never watch this movie or, mm-hmm. um, you know, I can't believe it. It's, you know, why would you hire him? So, I mean, I'll judge it when I see it. Yeah. It's definitely a different take on the Batman than I, I think we've seen because Robert Pattinson has described his Batman as flawed, unlike the traditional comic book characters. So that should be interesting. Yeah, it'll be, you know, the thing is with Batman, I love Batman. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, that's Warner brother is that's what they're hanging their coat on. It's like the Batman franchise when it comes to, to DC, they, I mean, they keep coming back to it and it's so, I mean, cause I guess this isn't the same Batman as, the one in the Justice League and others, it's a separate timeline. And this is like kind of Batman year two. And I mean, they've had so many iterations of Batman. It's, it's got getting to be kind of like jumbled up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, jumbled up. It's just like, but it's the only thing that really sticks. I mean, like whenever they make a movie, it's like, you know, they tried to do green lantern and that didn't work. And I mean, but this is definitely their biggest Mm moneymaker. So, uh, but I'm down with it. I thought it was like pretty good. Okay, so there's apparently supposed to be six villains in this one film, including the Riddler, Catwoman, the Penguin, Carmine Falcone. Those are some of them. I mean, why are they like, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Are they not planning on doing another movie, maybe? Well, yeah, I don't know. Maybe a few of them are going to be kind of just. That's, you know, that's the way I felt with uh, Dark Knight Rises. It's like, you know, they kind of had like Two-Face and Joker. Oh, uh, 
Oh, oh. Bane. Bane. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. No, he was. He was in the. Yeah, the second, and the Bane was the third. But they killed. Yeah. They killed Two Face off in the same movie. It's like why? I mean, he was just barely became Two Face, and then they killed him off. It's like why don't you save him for another movie? I mean, establish that character. Use that movie as a vehicle to introduce the character for like ten minutes, and then save him for right. the next movie. And I'm hoping that's what they'll do in this because there's so many characters. You don't want them to use up all the. I mean, I know there's obviously a hundred Batman villains, but give them some time to shine. Let them have a movie on their own. Right. Unless they're ganging up to be like an old, their own villain league instead of the justice league, but, and then go after Batman at the same time. But I just, yeah, I feel like it's, it's going to be too confusing for the viewer. Yeah. I'm still like with the Joker or not Joker, but the Riddler. I'm glad they did the Riddler. I want to see a darker, edgier, Mm. but I don't know. I'm I'm reserving judgment. I wasn't too amazed at what I saw in the trailer, but I do like, I mean, it's more like, Mm. like a saw or, or a a seven, like this movie. It's more like a gritty, you know, crime. I could see it kind of being like seven where they're, you know, like, he murders somebody mm. and leaves like a, a, a and it kind of escalating or like Saul even. So I don't know. Oh, I'm, okay. I'm, you know, I could see it. I mean, have you seen seven like Brad Pitt? And, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Back in the day. Yeah. yeah. What's yeah. in the box. Yeah. <laughs> don't look, don't open it. <laughs> don't. Yeah. Just don't. Um, no, but that's an interesting take that the Riddler might be the cause to connect all of these villains together. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's interesting. Well, that was a long talk on Batman. Yeah. Real quick, three three things real quick. Drunk History. Did you ever watch that? Uh, I have watched that in the past. It has been a mm-hmm. long time. Um, yeah. So I I didn't even know it was still on. Is it? It's it's on, but it's canceled. It's been it's been on for six seasons, and it was just canceled. But I I watch it mostly on YouTube. Okay. Yeah. Lucifer, which is a show that I really like, season five, the first eight episodes were released and it was number one on Netflix for a period of time. I think it's like number Mm. two now, but they were really good. Um, Anybody who hasn't watched that show, it's really good. And then Phil, Stranger Things season four will not be its last season. I I did hear that, uh, which I'm a big fan of Stranger Things. I know you are too. Uh, I am anxious to see season four. However, mm-hmm. I really hope that they kind of diversify the show a little bit because while I like the last season, it was a bit samey as like the second season. It was just, I mean, they didn't really do a whole lot of new things or, or I don't know. It just seemed like they're working um, with the same recipe. Yeah. Or same recipe or even the same. I don't know. I don't know. It just, it, it seems like it was getting a little bit stale. I mean, I liked it, mm. but they need to inject something new into it. Right. Yeah. I don't like it when a, when a series for a whole season takes forever to get through a storyline. And then at the very end, something majorly huge happens like hop. And then you have to wait forever for the next season. It's like, you just teased me this whole season. Yeah. But I, do, do we know when season four is coming out? That's what, one thing I do like about Netflix. I mean, you could they you, they drop all the episodes at once, so it's not like they string you along over six months. It's it's <laughs> you know like yeah. one day. 
because <laughs> I, <laughs> I, if you're like me, I sit down and binge watch them. Me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't go, you know, two weeks and not know the ending. Um, I found uh-huh. out it is September seventeenth. Oh, okay. So we're we're talking like a little bit over two weeks. Yeah. Booyah. I was thinking about the very first season the other day, like watching that and like how good that was. And you mm-hmm. didn't know, I mean, the whole, you didn't know what was going on. And I mean, it was, it was like really, I love it when a show comes along like that. That's kind of like fresh and new and you're watching it, you get caught up into it. And mm-hmm. um, I think at that point, I don't think they had all that. When the very first season came out, I don't, I don't know if they released all the episodes at once on that or not. I know, I think it either that or it took me a couple of days. Maybe it was and I just had something going on, but. Yeah, I didn't watch them right away. Like everyone was talking about it. And then some co-workers were like, you got to watch it. So I did. And then I was hooked. So it, I, I probably watched the first season maybe a year after it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then soon after that, I didn't have to wait long for the second season. Well, I was just remember you doing some uh, whiteboard art with Stranger Things. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have to, I'll I'll post that. Hey, we have a, by the way, people, we have a website if anyone wants to go to it. You can find the link on our Facebook page. We also have a Facebook page and an Instagram account. We're social media crazy. (laughs) That's okay. We're on Instagram. (laughs) Um, But I will put, I'll put up the pictures of that whiteboard art that I had. Mm. Yeah. So I, I think that they've, they've exhausted the same concept. And I think that this, the end of season four, there's going to have to be some kind of major new thing that that's, that nobody knew about that they need to incorporate. Well, yeah. And I mean, who didn't know at the end, like at the uh, season three, that that was Hopper. I mean, you knew that was going to be like him in Russia when they said, Oh, well, Right. Some were contemplating that it was uh, the doctor. Uh, um, yeah. Well, he, and you know, I had some friends. It's like, well, oh, he died. It's like in sci-fi, nobody dies unless <laughs> you see them die. And they cut the they cut the they cut the camera away. And even when you die, sometimes you aren't dead. You come back. I mean, right. You got to see a body. <laughs> but then again, that's not even the case in Stranger Things. They find bodies, and it's not the actual body. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah. I wish they bring Barb back. Darn it. Oh, I know. <laughs> she got the short end of the sci-fi stick. Well, she did. But... She's kind of a cult favorite. And she was only in one season. Yeah. Not even the full season. She died. Right. Uh, uh, spoiler. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, spoiler alert. <laughs> Don't get attached to Barb. <laughs> oh. It's uh, the Statue of Limitations is... is uh, that that show's been out for what five years now, so absolutely. If you haven't watched it, if you haven't watched it, go out and and see it now. Get caught up before uh, season four comes out. Well, and the other thing is, you are you're listening to a podcast about movies and TV, and if you haven't seen what we're talking about, then you should probably fast forward <laughs> or watch what we're we've already watched. Yes, it will, there will be spoilers. Okay, so Knives Out 
It was released November 27th, 2019, and I'll go ahead and do a synopsis real quick of the movie. Okay. When renowned crime novelist Harlan Thrombey is found dead at his estate just after his 85th birthday, the inquisitive and debonair detective Benoit Blanc is mysteriously enlisted to investigate. From Harlan's dysfunctional family to his devoted staff, Blanc sits through a web of red herrings and self-serving lies to uncover the truth behind Harlan's untimely death. All right. Yes. So what what did you think of it? Okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna um, start off by saying I I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was a, as entertaining. Um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that because I am gonna complain about it a little bit, and not really complain, <laughs> but like. I like my movies that kind of make sense. And I know some of my friends are kind of like, I like to talk about movies and I like to talk about plots. And sometimes mm-hmm. I come across as like, Oh, well, I hated that movie or, or like, you know, or you're, you're complaining about it or you're, and I'm not, I just like to discuss it. And I like my plot to make sense. And I yeah. did find this is an enjoyable movie. Although if you, well, think hold on smart, before, before you get into that, because I think this is a good point to throw this in. It is directed by Ryan Johnson. I, I was going to bring that up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Mr. Device, divisive himself or divisive. Yes. Um, I've only seen, this is the probably the fourth thing that I have seen him direct, which he hadn't done a whole lot. I've seen, he did Looper, which I didn't see, but everybody says it's like a really good It is good, movie. yes. Mm-hmm. It's very freaky what they did with Joseph Gordon-Levitt's face. It's just I've, freaky. I've, I've seen pictures. He did like two episodes of Breaking Bad, which I, I've seen all of Breaking Bad. I don't know which two episodes, but I pretty much liked every episode, so he was competent there. And mm-hmm. then he did uh, <laughs> The Last <laughs> Last Jedi, which, you know, I mean... I think that it ties in very well with this movie in the fact that there are plot holes. There yeah. are things that were missed that m- maybe to the untrained eye, you don't notice it on the first go around, but then the second go around and third go around, you totally can see problems arising. Yeah. And I got, you know, like with, with the last Jedi, it looked good, mm-hmm, but man, mm-hmm. he just like trashed every plot thread from the first movie mm-hmm. and did some stuff that was just like Luke is like such a disservice because it, yes. you know, every, everybody waited like, you know, 40 years to see him be this awesome Jedi and he's supposed to be the most powerful Jedi. And I mean, you never got to see that. It was just like, Oh, well he's just this disgruntled old man. I mean, there, you know, and like I said, if, if you like, I didn't particularly care for the last Jedi. Mm-hmm. I know a a lot of people did, and that's great. I mean, if if you liked it, more power to you. I'm 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 happy, but I I just I didn't I didn't care for it. I think you're totally right in the fact that it looked amazing. the The directing, visual wise, was awesome. But it it is true when you when you go down and you look at the writing, which he was a writer as well. Maybe he shouldn't be writing and directing at the same time. Yeah. You know? Well, he admits that. He's not a good writer. I mean, he has said that. <laughs> I mean, no, he he honestly said that's his weak point. 
So let let's give him, you know, the key to our kingdom called Star Wars. I just yeah. don't I don't get it. Well, and then <laughs> you know, and I could see, you know, hey, you make a movie and you don't you know, sometimes you're so close to it you can't see the flaws in it, but then like he ripped into the fans, man. He was like mm-hmm. calling all the fans like neck-bearded geeks and I mean everything. Just I mean and they're kind of the the customer. They're the consumer. So you want to kind of make them happy. I mean, yeah. I'll add this in there. One of the characters in the movie, do you know, is Jacob Thromby, who's the little, little teen boy on his phone all the time. He was in it. Yeah. Oh, was he? Okay. Well, it's, I have Jacob Thromby, the preppy grandson in the film, who's always on his phone was a character influenced by those that voiced their criticisms online over Ryan Johnson's previous film, Star Wars, Last Jedi who he continues to characterize as trolls and man babies. Well, they kept on saying that character in the, in the movie, they kept calling him a troll and a man baby. So yeah, which, which I never, I, I guess it makes sense because I was actually talking to somebody else about that character. And I didn't see a point in it because mm-hmm. that, that character was only in the movie for, I mean, they probably had like five lines and it's like the only thing, I mean, they overheard something. You could have had one of the yeah. other characters. I mean, it was a totally pointless character. Yeah. You know what? I can see, you know, you spent a lot of hard work and time on a movie. So you want everybody to like it. And if you want to be divisive, like don't do it on a franchise that is well, the most popular franchise of all time. Write your own story and kind of shake things right. up. I truly don't think that he wants everyone to like it. He only wants a select few to like it. And that's the only opinion he cares about. So I don't know. He needs to do like indie films. He doesn't need need to be working on a big franchise film. Well, actually he came out and said that he said he would rather have half the people hate one of his movies and other half love it than everybody love it. He said, because that's, you know, people talk about it and Mm -hmm. and whatever. He would rather half the audience hate it. I mean, he hasn't been words. He said that like, I was watching an interview and it was interview was before he even did star Wars, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm less upset about what he did, like what he did to star Wars. I'm more upset about his reaction to those that had different in an opinion than his. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing. It's like, he kind of treated the fandom like trash and he still does. I mean, on Twitter, I mean, he just like, calls everybody names and i mean mm-hmm. and you know being a director or a star you're, you're going to get flack i mean you're famous you have to you have to realize that that that's a price tag that comes with with fame you know but you got to kind of rise above that kind of well, being a man baby yeah, people criticize you i mean <laughs> it's not legitimate i mean you're going to be criticized if you make a movie no matter if it's a perfect movie someone's going to have something they didn't like about it yeah yeah. I don't know, but I mean, it, this movie was it was it was enjoyable. I mean, but the plot there was some major plot holes in it. Mm-hmm. So what? I mean, what did you think about it? I really liked it. I loved the look and the feel of it. I loved the music in it. I love the house. I love that house so much, and so it gives you a sensation of like a clue board. Yes. And so I I liked a new take on that rather than just being you know Colonel Mustard in the in the library right. with the candlestick. So I liked that. I also liked spoilers, people. This will have spoilers in it. So if, if you don't <laughs> if you yeah. don't want to be spoiled, 
you know, pause it, go watch the movie and come back and listen to the rest. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, I will, I will put in the, we're starting right now. I don't know what minutes we're at, but I will put in the comments where you can skip to, to avoid this conversation from here on out because there will be spoilers and you will know who killed Harlan Thrombey. Okay. So I'll give you time to fast forward and now we're going. So I like the fact that they took this innocent girl and gave her everything and, and all those other brats lost everything. And then I also like the take of, I think they did a wonderful job casting Chris Evans because everyone loves Chris Evans. He's a, he's a wonderful human being. And you cast him in the way they, they played the story out. You thought he was on her side. Yeah. And then, and then you come to find out he was just playing everyone, even her. I just, I thought that was very good because I didn't want it to be him. I wanted it to be someone else. Yeah. And then he just, Becomes this just horrible human being. Yes. And I would, I do have to say, make a comment that it was a very jarring seeing Captain America seeing bad work <laughs> out of Captain America. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, you see him in that role for such a long time that you think he's, you know, all American pure guy that, and that's one of the oh, things yeah. the movies they kind of said, oh, you know. Oh, he played a wonderful entitled piece of, you know what? Yeah. And and I think that I'm biased towards him. I love Chris Evans, but I I truly think that he's a very good actor. I mean, yes, he has a pretty face, but the fact that he convinced me that he was trying to help her. Yeah. And then does that flips the switch and when he when she throws up on him and then he tries to kill her, I was just like, what's happened to my Chris Evans? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, speaking of which, I mean, let's let's rewind it just a little yeah. bit because Pat. But what did you think about that plot device of her kind of being the human lie detector? I thought it was really good. I don't know. Is that an actual condition where no. you vomit when you lie? No. I mean, you could <laughs> do that with because I I researched it because I was like, mm, that seems kind of weird. I've never heard of that. And uh, I mean, the closest you get to is just having a having a nervous stomach. You know, obviously, if you're telling a lie, you're you're going to ramp up that nervousness. But yeah, that is not a, a actual condition to have right. projectile vomiting. Right, it is not. It was ideal for the the plot. Oh yeah, and it's fine. You can make up a a, a condition like that. I mean, that's it, it's a good plot device because she could be the one person that has it. You don't yep. know. I guess she just have a very nervous stomach and you know, uh, that bothers her. But yeah, I mean, he modeled this movie after like an Agatha Christie, you know, mm-hmm. like a Poirot or, uh, you know, Conan Arthur Doyle's Sherlock Holmes. Uh, well, and they said, they said that um, Harlan died on his 85th birthday and Agatha Christie was 85 when she died. So they did that purposely. And also they really mimicked the movie Sleuth. Do you remember? Did you ever see that movie? I don't know if I saw that or not. But um, at the very beginning during the the intro scenes, you see a bunch of uh, snapshots of the house and eventually of a captain. Anyways, the movie Sleuth, it has... Um, who's the guy who played Alfred in The Last Batman? 
Oh, um, Michael, Michael, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're uh, close. uh, I can't think of his last name. Michael, um, Kane, Michael Kane. There you go. He's in Sleuth. He models a lot of the movie off of, it was a seventies film called Sleuth, which was a, you know, murder mystery. And they were still trying to solve a crime. Now here's like, okay. So kind of like a minor little thing with the movie, which just cause I was thinking about it. This this kind of mystery, like I don't know, it serves better when it's like takes place back in the day, <laughs> like in the eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds, or something like that. Because, like, if you look at it, I couldn't figure out like why in the world was this detective even on the case? Because if you look at like Poirot, you know he was he was a police officer. He had been. He was retired, but he was appointed a consultant. Yeah police or he was appointed to the case and you know kind of the same thing with Sherlock Holmes a lot of times you know he'd either be appointed by the police or someone higher up or he'd be kind of you know doing his own investigation to the side but in this particular story in this day and age I mean you had like a, a state trooper one of those guys is a state trooper and mm-hmm. one was, uh, well I don't know if he's a local investigator you know with with Sherlock Holmes you know, he was usually either appointed or he, he had his own case that was running parallel to the police investigation. But in this one, and they had already deemed it was a, a suicide. Mm-hmm. So they said that he was a consultant. But, you know, later on, he said, well, I was hired and I don't even know who no, it was. No. I said some money. Yeah. So first of all, would that not, would you just approach the police and say, I want to be a part of this investigation? I mean, I'm famous. And I mean, if he would have said someone hired me and I don't know who it is, they just gave me cash. I mean, that's that's going to kind of sketchy, seem sketchy, you know, and he was sitting in the back the whole time they were questioning and he was like hitting a piano key. It's like change, you know, change question, change. So he was like telling the police what to do. And he's not a police officer. You know, you wouldn't dictate the line of questioning. And that's just a minor thing. But I I just got to thinking, it's just like, why was he even there? I mean, it just kind of didn't make sense. So I think, I think number one, I think the reason they allowed him to take control of everything is he is that well-known of an investigator. And I don't know if they mention it, but I'm pretty sure he has a really high rate of solving cases. Well, yeah, but that was my point. The police had already deemed it as a, um, pretty much deemed it a suicide. And like, he didn't mention to him he'd been hired. So, I mean, like, why would they ask him or why would like, if he went and said, Hey, can I, you know, kind of reopen this or come in? I mean, why I, would? I think that's why he was sitting there. He wasn't doing anything at first. He's just sitting there to listen to their answers again, to see how it lined up. And I'm guessing if he thought it sounded fine, he would have gotten out of there. But then he was like this, some of this stuff doesn't add up. And then when they talked to vomit girl, they realized something's going on so had had he asked questions and it seemed legit he would have just left and nothing would have been said about that but i'm guessing he's more experienced and he was catching on things that maybe the trooper and the other guy didn't didn't catch on like i said i i really honestly i'm not an expert in in uh, forensics or criminal you know criminal mm-hmm. science or anything like that, but it just seemed like, I mean, that really wouldn't happen in real life. I mean, yeah. you know, if they wanted to bring in somebody, they would bring in like, like the FBI or somebody like that, especially since they already 
pretty much had the case wrapped up. I mean, and like well, I said, that was we just do a, know Ryan Johnson decided this probably. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and like I said, that's probably that's just like a piddly little thing that I was thinking of. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a real big deal, but it's just like as I was watching, it's like why? Why is? <laughs> yeah, you know, what, why is he who even are you, here? Dude? I mean, and that's what yeah. the family was doing. Yeah. They were sitting there in the little chairs going, who are you? And why are you hitting the piano key? By the way, yeah. he he would hit the piano key every time he wanted the the cop to ask them what time they arrived. Oh, okay. Yeah. Every time you hear him hit the piano key, that was his cue to the guy to say, to ask the question, what time did you arrive at the party? Okay. I was, I did not realize that. I was just thinking it was, he wanted the, um, like they were going down like a dead end and he wanted them to change uh, the direction mm-hmm. of the questioning. So very astute. Yeah. Oh, here's a, here's an interesting thing at one, one hour, 21 minutes and 47 seconds in the restaurant scene with ransom and Martha, mm-hmm. they're playing the song sundown by Gordon Lightfoot in the background. Mm-hmm. And in the chorus, it says sundown, you better take care if I find you creeping around my back stairs, referring to both of the people in that scene who have used the lattice on the outside of the house to get this to the secret door that led to the study. Yeah. And then later, Patton Oswalt, who is a super, super duper nerd, and I mean that in the most endearing way possible, he called Ryan Johnson after the film opened to ask if the needle drop of the song was an intentional reference, because apparently the song is possibly about a groupie Lightfoot had experience with named Kathy Smith, who's best known for being the one who gave John Belushi a fatal injection of heroin and cocaine in 1982. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that, Phil. Let's talk about the what caused Harlan's death. Okay. Oh, you're opening up a can of worms on this one. <laughs> okay, so like it's it's no secret. I mean, they the general cast does not know, but she is she's being questioned by Benoit Blanc. Or where she was during the birthday party, she kind of reminisces on like what really happened, and you find out that he he had, he had died. It was due to an accident. He wasn't really murdered, but uh, she was his nurse, and she accidentally overdosed him with the wrong medication. Mm-hmm. And so he he liked her. Most of his family, he really didn't. I don't want to say didn't like, I mean, I think he liked them, but they were just like, they weren't likable people and they just hung around him because of his money. So he wanted to make sure that she was taken care of and her family because I mean, she really didn't have any stakes in it. I mean, she was just, she was an immigrant. Her family was there kind of here illegally and he didn't want to see him deported and unbeknownst to her, he had, he had actually, change the will that when he died her she was going to get everything and not he didn't want his family squabbling over the money so in the movie like she gave him toradol i mean apparently he got that and the dose was 100 milligrams of toradol yeah 
he got that followed by three milligrams of morphine for sleep. yeah like kind of or like breakthrough pain or whatever but first of all it's like toradol <laughs> he, he needed to research this i mean because i work in the metal medical field and i know you work in the medical field as well mm-hmm. so you, but you know that you know this topic better than i do yes when it yeah. comes to this yes so i mean a normal dose of toradol is like 30 milligrams if you're giving it IV. Mm-hmm. So, and he was saying a normal is like a hundred, a hundred milligrams. I'm like, holy cow, first of all. So, well, and apparently you can only get it in 15 and 30 ml vials, right? Well, for home use, that's something I'm going to address with the morphine. But, like, I don't, as far as toward all, I'm not sure. The only thing I've ever seen is like smaller, smaller vials. Mm-hmm. Not a hundred. Uh, yeah, they aren't going to, they aren't going to have it like that. But, the, you know, she accidentally gave like 100 milligrams of morphine instead of the the Toradol. She got the vials mixed up. Mm-hmm. Which, a normal dose of morphine is like maybe 2 milligrams, 4 milligrams. She gave him mm-hmm. like 3. And, first of all, like if, if they're doing a home dose like that, it comes in, in individual doses. They would never give you like a honking huge multi-dose vial like that. Mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. just ain't going to happen. I mean, they, I think they probably have multi-dose vials like that if you're compounding something in a pharmacy. But it would never, I mean, they wouldn't send a honking big bottle out like that. And then you would also have, they'd have to document every dose they gave. And so it's not right. all, oh, I can just give you whatever, you know. Well, and I'm sorry, I don't, I don't deal with meds a lot in my profession, but when I do, you have to look at the, look at the label, you read it out and you say the expiration date before you administer it. Right. Yeah. Well, you're supposed to look at it like three times. You're supposed to have three yeah. checks, which I mean, you know, fine. She's lax or she's being a slacker and not doing that. I mean, you, you shouldn't do that, but I mean that I, I guess could be it's like possible. a plot point. Yeah, that's possible. But if you gave a hundred milligrams of morphine, she gave it and it's like, oh, well, you have 10 minutes to live unless I give you the <laughs> antidote. And, you know, like you may live 10 minutes. <laughs> right. Uh, but you would not be lucid like he was after. I mean, that would go to work almost immediately since you're given an IV. Within, you know, a minute or two, you would not be lucid. Like you would be just like out of it. You probably wouldn't be standing on your feet. I mean, he should have researched that a little bit better. So to me, I mean, that's mm-hmm. the whole linchpin of the story is is that mm-hmm. that one point and it's like there's no way you could get 100 milligrams if you're using three milligrams of morphine and they give you 100 yeah you just aren't going to be uh, about your wits because he was you well, know because and he's when like, they when they realize it he says so i've got probably eight minutes left which means it was two minutes by two minutes some you should be seeing some kind of a symptom from the oh, medication yeah. well and then he goes to lay out this you know, here's what you're going to do. And this intricate stage of events that she's going to do. It's like, well, you need to do mm-hmm. this and this because we're a cover up. You, you wouldn't be thinking that you wouldn't be that coherent. Well, we find out later that she, she long story short, she did not mix up the meds. She did, but she, she didn't. Right. So correct. That's why he was able to do that. But as a nurse who administered, who's giving that drug, you should know, well, you're not showing signs. So maybe something's off. Maybe that wasn't tore at all. Okay, but here here's another kind of point. Like and that's fine. He he didn't really get overdosed. But if you're this mystery uh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. novel writer and yeah. you're world renowned and you you know, you're into these deep plots and stuff, it's like 
if someone gave you 100 milligrams, uh, so he, he got 100 milligrams, he's like, he ends up, he slits his own throat. Mm-hmm. He's like, I want to make it look like murder, or uh, like I, I committed suicide. And we have to make it look like you didn't do a Marta because yeah. your mother's an immigrant. Yeah. Right. But why would you even slit your own throat? Because you have to know they're going to do a toxicology report. It doesn't matter. So how fishy is that going to look? Oh, I have 100 milligrams of morphine in my body, and then I just happen to slit my throat. Why not, instead of taking that 10 minutes, instead of coming up with this big plan, just say, okay, you know, you do this, this, and this, and I'm just going to write my own suicide note, and give me a syringe that you haven't touched, and I'm just going to inject right. more, and just say, hey, I'm, in, you know, I can't take it anymore, I'm injecting, you know, and just leave that as the cause of death, instead of, like, slit your throat on top of it, because that would look more like a suicide than being overdosing and slitting your own throat. Yeah, no, I, it's a total like plot hole. It totally is. And just like the last Jedi had him, I mean, his, his scripts are like Swiss cheese. Yeah. (laughs) I just, I don't understand. But yeah, I mean, you have to know that that's, I mean, that would uh, discount the whole, I killed myself right there. I mean, that's going to be super fishy. So instead of doing that, just like, and then he wouldn't have died because he would have just like had, you know, had the note and after 10 minutes, he would have been like, Oh, well, nothing happened. <laughs> I guess well, I'm not gonna... It is funny because the very first thing he does when he realizes she mixed up the meds, cause she's freaking out. First thing he does, he says, that's a really good way to kill somebody. I'm going to write that down yeah, for the next book. Exactly. And then he writes it down. He doesn't just say it. He does. So that's, ev- I mean, they're going to come through and, and read his thing and be like, Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, so he I didn't even think of that. Uh, no, that's that was the next thing I was going to bring up. Another plot point is he wrote, he, and he actually writes it. He sits there and writes it in his journal. So, and you never see him get rid of the pit pages. Maybe they did, but the police, when they do their investigation, they're going to, I mean, they're going to see that in his journal. It's like, Oh, well overdose. And then, <laughs> you know, right. well, and it, when he's writing it down, he thinks she has the anecdote. True, that is true. So maybe when the, by the time that she left the room, came back, and then he slit his throat, maybe he did something with it. But that's, I mean, come on, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, that's... I don't, I don't know. This is just the main part of the whole mystery, and how can it be so wrong? Yeah. Like I said, this is the whole linchpin that the whole story like kind of balances on that. And I mean, there's some other stuff, I mean, which you could explain away, like, you know, he, if they're really investigating, he, he's like, Oh, well put on, you know, my, my cap and my, you know, sneak back in and put on my cat, my robe and my, right. my cap and go downstairs. And then, so they'll think it's me, but I mean, her hair and DNA would be on that cap, but she gets, you know, but, but she's a caregiver. She's there. She could say, Oh, well, you know, one day I put his cap on or, you know, right. my DNA just happens to be there because I I take care of him. I mean, I can see little things like that going, but dang, that's that's a pretty big. <laughs> and pretty- now, for most viewers that don't have you know education with those drugs and everything, me sitting there, I didn't even think anything of it. Oh, so I yeah. enjoyed the m- movie at that in that aspect. If you want to enjoy the movie, just pretend they're drugs that would actually do something or that they're the right dosage or, but, but it is a plot hole where he slit his throat, but I, I'm guessing they had to somehow incorporate a knife, you know, because yeah. his, yeah. all of his, all of his murder mystery novels had knives involved with them. Right. Oh, did they? 
I mean, they, I, think I mean, so. I know you had that big uh, diorama in the back with knives. Mm-hmm. Like, but uh, I mean, they didn't really get in the plot points of the novels. Right. Here's what's interesting to me, because I always think, you know, when I'm, I'm going through, I mean, I, everybody does, but when I'm going through and watching the movie, I'm trying to figure out like, you know, what's going to happen or, and, and some of the things he said, because, you know, he's playing with that knife and he's just like, a lot of people don't even know the difference between right. a, a, yeah. a prop knife or a stage knife and a real knife. Right. And then he slit his own throat. And I'm like, well, this whole thing's a setup and he's going to be alive at the end because he just wants to see who mm. his family's loyal to him. Or it's going to be, he's going to end up, it's like, nobody deserves the money. So I am going to like kill myself off and I'm going to give all the money to Marta. And then right. like, I'm going to show up at the end of the movie on a beach and she's going to be taking care of me and I'm going to be free of my family because, you know, he, he turns that table over and mix up the vials. So you think, okay, well, he did that on purpose and there's not going to be drugs in either one. And then when he's talking to her, he's talking about like that knife that, you know, that's going to be kind of foreshadowing for something. And it was, but I thought, you know, he has this fake knife and he's going to convince her that he, he killed himself because that's going to be a prop knife. And in the end, he's going to be, like I said, he's going to be free of his family. He's going to be someplace else without them pressuring her. And then Marta's family is going to be there and she's going to take care of him. Well, the prop age. knife, the prop knife line did play later into the into the it movie did. because he foreshadows the ending when he mentions to Martha that the carefree lifestyle of his grandson Ransom makes him un- unable to tell a prop knife from a real one. In the climax, Ransom attacks Marta with a knife that he imp- impulsively grabs the knife from the chair, only to find out it's a prop knife. So that was foreshadowing that it scene was. where Ransom tries to kill Marta, and he's an idiot who only cares about himself and no one else. And then that yeah. he doesn't kill her because he pulls the prop knife. Yep. And all the, you know, everything in a script is pretty much nothing is throwaway. Anything they mention is going to come into play. Anytime you mm-hmm. write a script, because I mean, you have very, words are kind of precious in a movie. So, I mean, you know, like if it's mentioned, so, you know, that's going to foreshadow something. It's just, I had it kind of foreshadowing the wrong thing. Yeah. That was another thing at the end. It didn't make sense to me. It's like, so there's, there's this big diorama or mural of knives and they're all Mm -hmm. pointing towards like, kind of you stand there, they're all pointing at you or whatever. Mm -hmm. So he grabs a knife on there off, off of that. And he goes to kill Marta and it's, it's a stage prop where it like retracts. So it looks like, like you're in a play, you know, you're actually stabbing somebody. Mm-hmm. So, like, was that just like luck that that one happened to be a stage knife, or was that whole diorama out of stage knives? Or no, I think it was pure luck because it, had he known what the real knives were, he would have grabbed a real knife, but he didn't. So, I think there were real knives and prop knives on there. But which, I mean, I don't see why you would do that. And again, that's just like a yeah. little thing. Fine. Um, and they were lucky, but to me, if you're doing like art or something, you wouldn't be like, it'd be way more expensive to have prop knives. Cause there's, <laughs> you know, cause those have a mechanism in, in them and stuff, but it just didn't make sense that you would have like this big piece of artwork made out of stage knives or partial. Well, the only thing knives. I can think, I like to use my imagination in these instances, but my, my thought is, you know, he's this novelist of murder mystery and he uses knives a lot in them. So maybe he's gifted knives a lot 
or maybe he picks up knives at like antique shops and he's yeah. collected them over the years. And that one just happens to be a stage prop, maybe from a, a play he went to go see. Oh, that's true too. I just, I didn't really quite understand that part of it. I was just kind of like, mm, I mean, that's just almost, it was almost too convenient. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the other, the other pet peeve I have of his writing, again, there are other aspects of the, of the movie that are, that are awesome. The acting is amazing. Yeah. So we're just pointing out the things that annoyed us. Yeah. That's, um, what, that's like I said before, people always think, well, you, you must have hated that movie. No, I just like to talk about no, yeah. like the plot and the writing. I mean, I, it, it was enjoyable movie. It's just, if you think about it, which I like to do, I like to, I don't like to just watch a movie and throw it away. I like to think of, I think about it and watch it again and, right. and pick up things and, and whatnot. Cool. But, and I, I would say I am a Ryan Johnson director fan. I am not a Ryan Johnson writer fan because most yeah. of these problems I have are with the writing. Um, all of them really are with the writing of it. No, he's a competent director. Yes. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> but one of the major things is, you cannot take a fridge magnet and erase a VHS tape. <laughs> you can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> so there's another major thing is that there's no way that she could have done that. I, I just, I looked it up. You need like this humongous magnet to be able to erase a VHS tape. Like oh, yeah. a magnet that ki- that fits in a car. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, that definitely would not be adequate to do the job it'd have to be like super powerful but i guess too part of it is like it's still like vhs i mean then they've used that same <laughs> tape maybe like a million times i mean who uses still uses a vhs yeah. um i mean everything's digital and it is in the modern age because they were watching you know they're talking about like internet and like smartphones and stuff so it is this it wasn't like ambiguous as as to what time it was set in it wasn't like maybe early nineties or something like that. It was definitely this day and age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and that just gives you another insight into Harlan is he's got these tens of millions of dollars and his security system is our three cathode ray tube televisions. Yeah. That's and a VHS <laughs> recorder. <Yeah>. I- <laughs> oh, and here's another thing. Okay. And, and like I said, this isn't really a pet peeve or anything, but it's like, I didn't understand I mean, why even have that the grandmother in there? Like, what was her purpose? I don't know, but here's a funny little interesting tidbit. The actress that plays her is six years younger than Christopher Plum, um, Plummer. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's funny. Well, you know, here's the thing. I thought, because you see her so seldom, and it's just like, I mean, she doesn't really interact. I mean, she can't, like, see. I mean, because she thinks marta is is like ranson so like ranson is that you are you leaving again or, yeah or that's whatever. the only purpose of her really was that but the, but the thing is it's like even okay it's like oh well she may have seen me well like big deal because i mean she wouldn't even be like if she went to court <laughs> she's blind as a she wouldn't have been she, a reliable source she wouldn't have been a good <laughs> witness and and i mean you, like i said you only see her for a few minutes and you never really saw them together i said i bet you that's gonna be like the, the freaking uh Thrombie in disguise. <laughs> watching yeah, no, you you watch. She could have been the prop knife. She should. She could have been something that you thought wasn't going to hurt or help, and then all of a sudden, here she comes with this eloquent, you know, synopsis of who killed her son. I, you you yeah. don't know. I mean, that would have been interesting. I kept waiting for that, but it, then it, like nothing, and it's just like, oh, well, that was kind of a waste to have her. Like I said, her and the grandson. You could have just had the whole movie and not 
bothered because they didn't really add anything to the plot <laughs> where no, everyone else where everyone else did i mean everyone else had a but then again, I think you needed you needed a character that could not communicate with the other people that she saw another person or that she saw Ransom come down the stairs or the um the what is trellis. The trellis, trellis yeah. yeah. That that he came down there. You needed a character that couldn't just go around and tell everyone, "Hey guys, I just saw Ransom jump off the side of the house." Why? Yeah. <laughs> why, why is he doing that? So they needed someone who you know, wasn't all there, but there enough to know somebody did something. But I yeah. can't tell people. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the mystery part of it. And then, like, another thing, like, something that wasn't fleshed out well is, uh, you know, he was going to give, I can't even remember the other characters' names, because they... Which one? Jamie, Jamie, Jamie Lee Curtis. His daughter. Yeah, his daughter, which I got it. I mean, I totally got it, but I don't think a lot of people would because there's a thing where everybody had their own kind of like little thing going on. And um, there was a letter that he was going to give his daughter. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, her husband opened it up and it was blank. And he was just like, oh, well, at the end, she had like a lighter and put under and had secret writing on it. Right. Which which I get it. But you just kind of see it in the background. But they never address that. It's like they should have gone and, you know, addressed it, you know, when she was little. That, well, you know, she says he, something. She says something earlier in the film where she says, my dad and I had a secret way of communicating. Yeah, I mean, but that was almost like a, like a throwaway line. I mean, because, like, you had to pay close attention and you didn't know what that was. Right. But you could almost take that line because like when I first heard, it, I thought it's like, you know, we have our own like level of communication or like non-spoken. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But him being, like I said, a mystery guy, he is writing in invisible ink. And right. I just wonder how many kids today ever like, you know, had like invisible ink when you were a kid or made out of lemon juice oh, or whatever. Yeah. But I mean, most kids today probably don't. So, I mean, I knew what was going on, but I think like so maybe some of the younger audience just seeing that it was just like a little kind of throwaway line and a throwaway scene why did um, don johnson not know it i mean he was on miami vice why couldn't that, he <laughs> that's, that's right that's right well i have some other interesting facts about it so um you know how marta always beat harlan at go on the yeah. gold go board mm -hmm. so and it was always because she's not playing to win she's playing to make a pretty pattern and that's how she always won right and Ransom didn't like the fact he because his grandfather told him that Marta beat him more at go than Ransom did. Mm -hmm. And he didn't like that. But he's playing with those game boards all throughout showing that Marta won that game because she wasn't trying to be the better person. She was just doing it for fun. So, of course, she always won, which is exactly what happened with her with the will. You know, she wasn't out to get anything from Harlan other than the friendship and kindness that he bestowed upon her. Yeah. Ransom was just being a jerk. So they also play in the chess master. At, at the reading of the will, Ransom is shown smirking while playing with a chessboard. He's the chess master of the film, the one who orchestrates the entire plot to kill Harlan and frame Marta for it. Chess is also a game you can only win by playing to win. When he's in control, he can manipulate Marta effortlessly. But whenever she acts on her own, playing her game her way, she sticks to the beauty and benevolence of her style of go. Yeah, um, that 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 was uh, 
an interesting point. And that was like, the, there was another plot point from like Star Trek, like the next generation mm. where data was mm-hmm. playing. Uh, there was a game. It was kind of like chess that he was like uh, playing this champion. He kept getting beat his actual person. He was like a chess, but I can't remember the name of the game. It was and galaxy it, chess. Yeah. No, nah, <laughs> it, it wasn't even three dimensional chess. It was, uh, I don't know. The guy had beaten Riker. And then it was there wizard's chess. it was wizard's chess, Harry. <laughs> but Anyway, in, in the game, he, he beats Data and everybody's just like, oh, wow, you know, he beat Data because he's very logical. He's an android. And eventually he beat him because he wasn't actually trying to strategically. He was just trying to counter him. So it's kind yeah. of very similar to that whole situation. Interesting. One, one Another thing I, I thought was funny, like at the beginning of the movie, when they first have the detective on and... You know, he brings Marta and he's kind of interviewing and he finds out that she's a human lie detector, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, like on all these uh, detective shows, basically, as I said earlier, Poirot or Sherlock Holmes or whoever, they usually have a pretty good idea of who did it um, and like what's going on. But, you know, he was uh, confirming information with Marta to see if she would throw up. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. But like when he well, and that's out, why he took her around everywhere. He wanted to see her reaction to everything he was saying. Yeah, uh, but you know, he had interviewed those people, and he was like kind of uh, confirming everything. And then he was like incredulous. They lied to me. Well, of course they're going to lie to you. You're a detective. You should have known. I mean, you you know, like I said, Poirot or any of those type of detectives would have already. I mean, that would have been a no brainer. Yeah, they they lied to me. You got to consider everybody's lying. But he just yeah. seemed so. There was one scene where he just seemed like well. They lied to me. Well, of course they did. I mean, that just seemed kind of weird to me. If you go back and watch that a little bit, it's like. Well, and I, I, I will say, okay, I'm going to give Ryan a props on, on some writing, not all of it, yeah. but it was very interesting how they, they all were lying, but for different reasons. They all had a secret they were hiding that they, they didn't want revealed. It's just, yeah. he had to figure out which one had the secret that he wanted to know. Because he could care less if Jamie Lee Curtis's husband's cheating on her. Yeah. He could he could care less if Walt wanted the business. He, no, he needs yeah. to know who killed who killed Harlan. Right. And I thought that was interesting because that made it that muddied the waters for him to try to see clearly. Yeah, and I did, you know I like movies like this because I like you know that's the fun is trying to figure out the mystery. That's the fun of reading the Harry Potter novels because. When it comes down to it, it's not really kind of a, I mean, that's just like a covering. It's a sci-fi fantasy novel or whatever, but when you get down to the core, it's a, a it's a mystery. It's a whodunit. Like every Harry mm-hmm. Potter, Potter novel is like, you know, they're setting this up and you're trying to figure out this great mystery with each novel. And mm-hmm. that's what makes them so fun, I think. Well, and there will, there will be a Knives Out too, but it's just going to have Blanc in it. Daniel Craig's the only one coming back. So it'll be a new mystery. There was also, it was interesting that it was almost like two mysteries because I'm watching this movie and, uh, you know, 20, 30 minutes into it, you already know how, but Harlan died. I mean, you, you saw him slit his throat and now I'm like, okay, now what? This is just going to be, you know, the next hour of her trying not to get found, even though she didn't do it. I mean, she did, but she didn't. Yeah, but it was um, entertaining. So I thought it was like a Russian doll mystery. You know? Yeah, 
Yeah, it was entertaining, and I would I'd be down with the second one. I'd like to see a a, a second uh, second movie. Did you involving no medications? No, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it could be <laughs> do it something other than the medical field, something that I'm oblivious to, and not no Star Wars references. Yeah, definitely none. Um, hey, did you see? Speaking of like mysteries and movies and. Like novels. Did you watch Murder on the Orient Express that was out a few years I have ago? yet to watch that, but there's a second one coming out, isn't there? Yes, and I'm not sure which That's... Agatha Christie novel it is. Oh, I have it. It's on the is Nile, it... Death on the Death, Nile. Death on the Nile, okay. I love Kenneth a... Brenna. Oh, yeah, he's uh, definitely one of my favorite actors. And that, that mustache was over the top, you know, Hercule Poirot <laughs> was known for his mustache and by golly, if they didn't jump the shark with <laughs> Kenneth Branagh. Was he, was he also filming a Justice League movie at the same time and they had to remove um, the mustache? Oh no. <laughs> I have to put it on digitally. Uh, yeah. But he, he did direct Thor. He did direct Thor. Um, mm-hmm. The first Thor the movie. first one and and that first one was very Shakespearean the way Thor was uh, and yeah. so I thought that was a perfect pairing. Well, and if if here's a little piece of trivia too, he did the voice on Infinity War, like at the beginning is the opening where you hear the ship out in space when Thanos is like firing on it and there's a distress yeah. signal. That's Kenneth Branagh's voice. You know, it's like we're oh, we're, we're, we're uh, women and children don't fire. You know. But that is yeah. Kenneth Branagh's voice, yeah. So uh, he's oh, nice. he's actually in that. Yep. That was awesome. That was an awesome tidbit. Yeah. So go back and watch the beginning of uh, Infinity War. And I mean, it's just a very opening, like as they pan out in the space and you hear the distress call, that's Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. Neat. Yep. Here's a pet peeve that I had. Sorry. A lot of pet peeves. Um, at one hour, six minutes and 49 seconds, Lieutenant Elliot handles the evidence of the, um, you know, the wooden lattice that falls off. Yeah. He handles it with his bare hands. And then hands it to Trooper Wagner, who uses a pen to avoid fingerprints. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> so it's like, well, Lieutenant or Lieutenant Elliot is the one who committed the crime then because he just touched the evidence. Yeah. And it probably, I mean, you, you'd want to preserve that crime scene as much as possible. But were, were the dogs messing with it before? They had, they had it? it in their mouth, but I don't know if that... Even if that's there, you could have traces of one fingerprint. Oh, on no, it. you you could. But, I mean, I think it's been wallered for two or three days. It's just like the footprints leading up to the house. It's just like... Right. You know, she was, like, trying to cover <laughs> them up. And it's like, oh, dogs! <laughs> like, <laughs> run, run through it. And... Well, and then they do that. They make that big scene about trying to avoid walking on the carpet. And then right after that whole thing, he's touching the evidence with his bare hands. I just don't, I don't get it. Anyway, yeah. um, so overall, we're just having fun, kind of nitpicking. I mean, just those things. But overall, it was it was a good movie. I enjoyed it. Most people probably would not give a lot of those things a second thought. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's just that when something kind of hits 
close to home, like your profession or something. And it's like, right. oh man, you should research that more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean like on the last episode, Sarah and I talked about uh, in Emma, there's someone playing the violin and the guy actually plays violin in real life. So I didn't get annoyed by that. But then if you go to the Umbrella Academy, Ellen Page is playing. Have you seen that yet? Uh, no, that's on my to-watch list. Okay. Well, if you watch it, Ellen Page, there's a big thing about violins in it. And she... It's painful for me to watch. It's painful. It's probably as painful as you listening to these medication doses. But she's not playing it. And you can totally tell she's not playing it. So it kind of... You know, other people aren't going to notice that. They're going to enjoy it and think, hey, look, Ellen's playing the violin. And then Katie's over here saying she's totally not playing the violin. But it's enjoyable for, you know, 80% of the population. Like I'm, like I used to play guitar. So, you know, you, you scrutinize it because it's like, okay, do you really play guitar or did you not play guitar? And then you put your right. homework and practice, you know, you got kind of trained or is it totally just like, off the wall you can tell you know you're always kind of oh, looking yeah. to see how they fret it or if they you know if it matches like what they're playing so i i get that i mean and then there's and then there's us and we watch harry potter and we see all these mistakes because <laughs> yeah. we actually <laughs> live in that world yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah i liked it and it's not a bad movie so people should no. watch it and it's it's free on prime if you have yes. prime it's on prime i, I would recommend it I, I would yeah. recommend it. Universe. Well, Phil, do you want some quiz questions now? Sure, I'll take some quiz questions. Okay. Uh, these are all, they're not specifically about the movie, but they're either about people in the movie, but somehow related to Knives Okay. What nationality is Christopher Plummer? A. American, B. Canadian, C. British, or D. German? Uh, crap. I'm gonna, you know, my first instinct, because he was in The Sound of Music, I would uh -huh. say he's German, but I don't think he's German. I think I'm gonna go with crap. I'm gonna go with Canadian. Ah. <laughs> There you go. He was also on uh, <laughs> Star Trek: Undiscovered Country. He's been a oh. lot. Oh, he's—I he's, mean, yeah, he's—he's he's been around for a while. All right. Question number two. I kind of gave you this answer earlier. Let's see if you remember. What 1972 film starring Laurence Olivier and Michael Caine inspired the opening inserts in the shot at 125? of Jolly Jack the Sailor, a direct reference to. Uh, sleep. There you go. <laughs> I now I know. Option. Now I know why I couldn't find it in my notes, because I deleted it and put it as a question here. <laughs> I forgot. Okay. And also, you're going to get this one, because you've you already mentioned it, but Michael Shannon, a.k.a. Walt Thromby, was the first non-British actor to play what character? Lex Luthor, Ra's al Ghul, General Zod, or Deathstroke? General Zod. Yeah. All right. Catherine Langford, who also who played Meg Thromby in the movie, 
also quote unquote appears in what film with Chris Evans? A. Gifted. B. Avengers Endgame. C. Snowpiercer. Or D. Fantastic Four. I think it's Gifted. Am I wrong? On it's note? Avengers Endgame. Oh, who'd she play on the Endgame? So she was in a deleted scene and she played Stone- Tony Stark's daughter in the flashback. Or in the uh, flash forward. Okay. Is that yeah. the scene where like I get yeah, I heard about that, but I don't think I've seen Yeah, that it. was a trick question. Have you ever seen Gifted? Yes, I love it. Yeah. Have you? Yeah. There's a Chris Evans has been a lot of stuff before Avengers. Uh I mean, I was kind of a big fan of him before Avengers, but I thought he was perfect for Captain That's why he did he didn't think he I don't think he thought he was gonna get Captain America, I mean, because he, he played the Human Torch, right? And like the Fantastic Four movies, and I'm glad they did because I mean he was kind of perfect Captain. America. Oh yeah. Okay, so the reason I love the movie Gifted is number one, it's a really good movie, mm-hmm. um, and number two, he's in that movie with Jenny Slate, and they're sitting at a bar scene, and they're talking, and Jenny Slate is drinking a Rolling Rock, and I love Rolling Rock. So whenever I see it in a TV show or a film, I get super excited because it's not in a lot of them, but there she's drinking a rolling rock in that movie. And it, I get super excited every time I see it. That's, that's cool. That's how, that's neat how it sticks out in your mind because of that. Yeah. Nobody else notices it probably yeah. except for people that like rolling rock, but I, I always get excited. Okay. Question number five, who is well-practiced in the art of destruction, confusion, and in some cases, anger within the Star Wars series. A, Ryan Johnson. B, <laughs> Ryan Johnson. C, Ryan Johnson. Or D, Ryan Johnson. I'll take C, Ryan Johnson. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> it was also A, B, and D. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Select all the <that> apply. <laughs> um, okay. Question number six. What is Christopher Plummer's character in The Sound of Music? A. Sergeant Gruber. B. Major Wagner. C. Captain Von Trapp. Or D. Lieutenant Steiner. Uh, Von Trapp. Von Trapp family. All right. Question number seven. Jamie Lee Curtis also appeared on an episode of what detective series? A, Columbo, B, Hawaii Five-O, C, Miami Vice, or D, Murder, She Wrote? Mm. Which Hawaii Five-O? <laughs> the, the, the older one, of course. Oh, okay. the new one. Not, not the yeah. new one. Well, I mean, it could no. be. I'm going to say... Uh... I'm gonna say murder she wrote. I could say Columbo, but I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm going with uh, murder she wrote. Is that your final answer? Yeah. Nope, it's Columbo. She starred uh-huh. on it in 1977. She was a waitress on the Bye Bye Sky High IQ murder case episode. Oh my goodness, you got me on that <laughs> one. Okay, question number eight: How many James Bond franchise films has Daniel Craig starred? Uh, three, four, five, or six. Does that include the one that hasn't been released yet? Yes. 
I think, let's see, Casino Royale was the first one he did. And then uh, Skyfall. Uh, I know he's done more than three. I'm going to say, I'm going to say five. It's probably six, but is it five? Yay. <laughs> you, you were right. Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, Skyfall, Spectre, and then it's coming out No Time to Die. And guess no what? Time. The girl that plays Marta will be in, in that it. movie. Yep. Uh, I saw that. So Yeah. Well, and now that I think of it, I was reading an article that said that the reason she was cast in the James Bond was because of her good chemistry with um, oh. Daniel Craig in, in Knives Out. That makes sense. All right, question number nine. All right. Chris Evans is rumored to star in what upcoming movie musical adaptation? Now, he's rumored. It's not confirmed. A, West Side Story. B, Little Shop of Horrors. C, Jersey Boys. Or D, Grease. Jersey Boys. Nope, Little Shop Little of Shop Horrors. Little Shop of Horrors, Little shop, little shop of horrors. I knew, I knew they were doing little shop of horrors, but the only reason I said Jersey is because Captain America's from Jersey. <laughs> that would be good. No, no, he wasn't from. No, no he's no, from Boston. He's, he's born Boston, in Boston. But the ba- wasn't the base at Jersey like the the secret hydro base, or was that where the oh. camp was? Was it? I don't know. You probably know this better than I do. Yeah, he's from the Bronx, and then like, uh, or no, that's he's right. From, which Spider Man's from? Brooklyn. I'm to Brooklyn. Right? Yeah. I mean they're both from New York, but But Chris think... Chris is from Boston. Okay. Yeah. From Boston. From Boston. Boston. He's a, poor thing's a Patriots fan. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay, question number ten. In what nineteen ninety six Jane Austen adaptation did Tony Collette play Harriet Smith? Sense and Sensibility, Pride and Prejudice, Northanger Abbey, or Emma? I'm going to say uh, Sense and Sensibility, just because I is this like a movie or miniseries? Because I know movie. It's the '96 movie. Movie, but not the miniseries. Because like their Sense and Sensibility. Oh no, that's Pride and Prejudice. Pride and Prejudice. There was a big. Uh, I mean, like six part miniseries. It was just like. That came out about then. But mm-hmm. It wasn't a movie; it was a miniseries. So, uh, if it's not the miniseries, if it's actual movie, I would say. What were the options again? Sense and Sensibility, Pride and Prejudice, Northanger Abbey, or Emma. Uh, I'd say Sense and Sensibility. Nope, it's Emma. Oh, okay. <laughs> Ninety-six version. It was the one with um, Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, okay. I remember that. Yeah, I had to go back and look at the pictures because I was like, what? And it is her. It's a it's a very young her. There's a sense and sensibility with Kate Winslet in it. I wonder what year that came out. Yeah, that was Emma Thompson. And uh, also, so you have Professor Trelawney in that. And you also have Professor Snape in it. There you go. Yep, you did. Yeah. You sure did. I remember that. All right. Yep. Well, so look at that, Phil. We've been talking for... Going on two hours. Yep. 
this might be our longest episode, but that's because we're coming off, you're coming off of a hiatus with the podcast. So we had to get as much yeah. fill conversation as we could get. That is right. It was, it was good. It was good, good to get back and talk. Yeah. So we will talk about on the next episode, another movie. I'm not really sure I have something lined up, but we'll see. So the future is unknown. Well, it was a, it's a pleasure as always. Bye-bye. Bye. I needed an entire picture of the evening in my head, and your piece of it is at its very center. So please, take your time. You took Mr. Thromby upstairs at 11.30 and left at midnight. Think very carefully, and with as much detail as possible. Tell us what happened in that half hour. took him upstairs. We played our nightly game of go. At some point he knocked the board over and Joni came up to check on us. Uh, I gave him pain medication. He pulled his shoulder last week um, and I left him in his study. At midnight, I say goodbye to Walt went home. What kind of medication did you give him? Since his injury, I've been giving him 100 milligram IV push of Toradol. It's a non-narcotic analgesic. And to help him sleep, three milligrams of morphine. And the family was aware of this? Yes, of course. Did you notice anything strange or off about his demeanor? Sounds about right. Thank you, Miss Cabrera.